Shalom, everyone. Last few sentences, John, Javon started to encroach on my territory here. Got a little nervous. <laughs> Narrow is the way. It's the name of my uh, message today, the remnant of Yahweh. See how I was getting a little nervous there? I was like, easy there, Javon. But uh, today I'm going to be speaking on the remnant of Yahweh spoke of in Scripture. You know, it's mentioned all throughout Scripture, through um, the Old Testament and through the New Testament. Um, who are they? How many are in the remnant? Obviously, don't have an exact number for that, so don't get your hopes up. But I do have kind of where they fit in on the global scale of things, and it's very, very interesting. Um, first off, um, let's touch on a few scriptures on the subject. Uh, first, uh, let's go to First Peter two nine. And if you don't want to, if you don't want to look it up, I've got most of them up here on the, on the slides. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him that have called you out of the darkness into His marvelous marvelous light. So here we have a few key words here: a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. That's. Uh, I think the wording here is deliberate because uh, peculiar doesn't necessarily mean bad. It just means different. And uh, as Javon mentioned, we have a pretty diverse crowd here. There's, there's, I would say we're a pretty peculiar group. Next is uh, Matthew twenty-two fourteen, And uh, Javon mentioned this as well. For many are called, but few are chosen. And we're going to go right to the next one. Luke thirteen twenty-four. Strive to enter in at the straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. That's kind of a humbling one for me. You know, there are a lot of people that desire to, to uh, enter into that narrow gate, but they, when it comes down to the brass tacks, they're not willing to do what they need to do to make that step through onto the narrow way. Uh, next scripture is Matthew seven fourteen, For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, I could have went on all day with scriptures from the uh, minor prophets talking about the remnant of Yahweh. There are dozens and dozens of examples. Um, what do these few and peculiar people all have in common? What makes them peculiar exactly? Well, it's not what you might think. Um, obedience to Yahweh's statutes, commands... Feast days, um, the use of his name and Yeshua's name, um, and accepting the sacrifice of Yeshua as well. Um, I do have some scriptures that I wasn't able to put on a slide, but I would like you to turn there with me. First Kings, First Kings nineteen eighteen. It's hard to read my own handwriting. That's sad. So when we turn to one and it doesn't make any sense, it's because I didn't read it right. But First Kings 19, verse 18. Now this isn't talking about the remnant proper, I don't believe, but it's kind of a type and shadow in the Old Testament. Um, and it says, let me just start with the verse 17. And it shall come to pass that him that escapeth the sword of Hazazel shall Jehu slay, and him that escapeth from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel... All the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed 
kissed him. So we see here there's a remnant of sorts that did not bow to Baal. And I think that's one of the, we can still apply that to today, you know, not bowing down to false idols, not bowing down to false mighty ones and things like that. Um, the next one I have, um, turn with me to John one twelve. Okay, John one twelve, and it says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of Elohim, even to them that believe on his name. So here we see the importance of his name. The Holy Spirit and the power of Yahweh is given to those that honor his name. Now, flipping back, <laughs> we're going to go back and forth a little bit here, so just be ready for that. Uh, we got another one in Deuteronomy 4.27. The reason I didn't have these on slides is because I was about 30 minutes ago, I was downstairs scribbling all these down so I could add these to the list. So you can give, give me all the time in the world and I'll still be doing things at the last minute. Now, um, Deuteronomy 4.27 says, And Yahweh shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither Yahweh shall lead you. Now, obviously, this is talking about Israel of old, but a lot of times we can take things from um, the old and apply it to the new. There are, as Javon said, we have people from all over the world here. And I think that's incredible. And it just goes to show you that Yahweh's people are still very, very much scattered. Now, next one. Romans nine twenty-seven. And I've got more to do than just bounce around through Scripture. Don't worry. I've got some pretty interesting stuff coming up here. Just trying to get a foundation built here. Okay. Here we go. Romans 9.27. Esaias also crieth concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sands of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will... Let me go ahead and read on a little bit. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will Yahweh make upon the earth. And Esaias said before, except Yahweh Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and made like unto Gomorrah. So here we see that uh, if it wasn't for the remnant that Yahweh's chosen, that he has left scattered in the earth, David mentioned in his great message, by the way, about Abraham, that Yahweh would spare the city for 50, for 45, for 35, for 30, and all the way down to one, and so or five, rather. And so here we see that if it wasn't for those few, those very select few righteous men and women in the world, Yahweh would have cut it short a long time ago, a long time ago. Now, I got one more. And that's Ezekiel 20, verse 12. It really kind of surprised me how interwoven the remnant is in almost every book of the Bible. It speaks of it very regularly. <clears throat> Ezekiel 20, verse 12. <clears throat> Moreover, also, I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and them, that they might know that I am Yahweh that sanctifies them. Now, 
go ahead and read verse 13 as well. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. And my Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. Now, back in the restroom back there, there's, I was washing my hands and I noticed this little magazine. And it said Saturday at a church near you. And it's just an empty Completely empty. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of what this is talking about, the polluting of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the sign between Yahweh and his people. The polluting of the Sabbath can be, you know, obviously people doing what they want on Sabbath, but also just changing it altogether, an entirely different day. To me, that's polluting the Sabbath. And Yahweh says that he would pour out his fire and fury on them in the wilderness to consume them. And this is even Israel that he's talking about because they were... Let's just say Israel doesn't have a stellar track record. And so a lot of these things don't seem to be very tall order for people in the room. But there are good people out in the world that are searching for the truth. But to most people, just the thought, just the thought of not keeping um, Christmas or Easter or even Halloween is coming up or even giving up the food that they eat, it's it's an unimaginable thought. Now, to most people in this room, it's just second nature. It's not a a big deal at all. How many people do we have? What was the total number? Does anybody know? I would say around 200 would be a good guess. I mean, that's a a good turnout, in my opinion, for a feast or a Sabbath. Do you know? I have another slide. Here's some did you knows. There are over 350,000 churches in the U.S. alone. There are 37 million churches worldwide. And that's from pewform.org. I tried to provide sources for most of these that I could, that I could put up here. That's an average of seven, in the U.S., that's an average of 7,000 churches per state. There's only 50 states. That's a lot of churches. There are over 43,000 denominations of Christianity as of 2012, and they expect it to shoot up by another 20,000 by 2020. Just different little sects and independent little tiny pieces, and that's just Christianity. That's not including everything else. Man has a way of overcomplicating things. Um, There are around 116 million people that go to church every Sunday in the U.S. alone. So while... Um, as Javon mentioned, it is dwindling. This is still an enormous amount of people that go to church every Sunday and inadvertently polluting the Sabbath because Yahweh gave us this day as a sign between him and his people. And granted, most of these people don't know any better, but this fact remains. Now, There are, or where do we fit in in all of this? You know, there's 100, 100 some odd million people that go to, go to service every Sunday. There are even more than that worldwide. I can only imagine the number worldwide. I tried to find a number on that, but I don't know that anybody's got that sort of pull that they could really figure that out. Now, there are over 7.5 billion people on the planet right now. And and that's from worldometers.info slash world population. It's pretty readily available. They actually have a clock that estimates 
the death rate and the birth rate, and it's like a live number, and it's moving all the time, but it's constantly going up, up, up. It's really interesting. Now, I have some charts that I really enjoyed putting together. Randy taught me how to use this thing called SmartArt on PowerPoint, and it's incredible. So I made this really cool pie chart. And down below we have all the different religions that have some sort of population on the planet. Christianity takes up most of the pie at 31%. 31% of the entire population of the planet is Christian. And as Brother Philip mentioned, uh, Philip Thomas in his uh, talk about Islam, Islam's on the rise. It's, it's coming up in a close second at 22%. And this, I believe, I pulled these numbers, and I think this was 2012, I want to say. Atheist, 15% of the world is atheist. I had no idea that atheism, agnostic, is the third biggest religion on the planet. Hinduism follows right behind it with 14%. And then everything else, it just drops drastically. Chinese traditional, Buddhism, ethnic. And then right there below ethnic, there's this little sliver. And that's where this, it pulls this pie chart over. So this pie chart belongs in that tiny sliver right below ethnic. And ethnic is like the um, different African religions and things like that. African traditional makes up 1% of the population of Earth. And you notice all these say 0%. It's because they are less than 1%. Judaism is less than 1% of the population of the planet. I had no idea. I assumed there were everywhere. There's just not very many. There are more, there are more um, I believe it was more Zoroastrianists than there are Jews, which is mind-blowing. I thought a lot of these religions died out a long time ago, but I was very, very wrong. And so... You notice that these smaller groups, you know, they get a very, very small sliver of the pie. But even the smallest other, or Rastafarianism, has hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. Now, we have 200 some odd people here in this, at this feast, which was an excellent feast, by the way. And you have, you know, you have different groups in the United States and, you know, a handful worldwide. But I mean, even compared to the most insignificant religion on the planet, statistically speaking, Rastafarianism, we are just a fraction of the size of that. We have got an even smaller sliver of the pie than they do. The world is a big place. (laughs) And this really kind of put that into light. There's a lot of different people out there. Now, let's move on talk about the first resurrection. Now, I'm not going to get into real deep doctrine stuff here. Don't worry. Just going on numbers. We do fit in here somewhere, but it's a fraction of a fraction of a percent. We have a very small slice of that pie, pun intended. Now, Yahweh's chosen are truly few. In the first resurrection, there's supposed to, if you read scripture, there's supposed to be 144,000 chosen people. From each of the, you know, we have the different tribes, and I believe it's uh, 12,000 from each tribe, and it all adds up to 144,000. So that's 144,000 people total, and they're going to serve in the millennial reign, right? That's roughly 0.002% of the population of the world right now. 
if every single one of the 144,000 was pulled from the population of the earth, we would have less than, it would be right, or, right at 0.002%. That's, we're talking hundredth of a percent of the people. These are truly the cream of the crop. These are the best of the best, the best the, the Yahweh's, best of Yahweh's people. There's a study of the number of people that have ever lived. It's called paleodemography. And essentially just ancient demography is pretty much what it comes up to. And it's the study based on culture and history and different things written down and records kept about how, how many people roughly have existed on the planet. Now, again, this is an estimate. It's really hard to tell how many people have ever existed. But there has been an estimated 100 billion people that have ever existed on the planet of the earth. That's their estimate right now. Many of these, however, are infants that never made it to their first birthday. Because, you know, especially back then, infant mortality was much higher than it is now. And not to mention the mothers and everything that would die during childbirth. That being said, the 144,000 people resurrected would be 0.000144% of the people that have ever lived. So, I mean, we're getting down into the microscopic level right now. Now, the great multitude, this, this is the big question. You know, we, uh, we read about multitudes in Scripture a handful of times, but we're not given a solid number on what they are. You know, you have the multitude of Exodus that left out of Egypt, and it was a mixed multitude. There was a lot of different people, not just Israelites that left. Um, now, let's see, where am I at? Here we go. How much is a great multitude exactly? Well, we don't know. Um, Wikipedia, the single most reliable source on the internet, <laughs> describes it was the term multitude has been used to describe as few as 100 people, and some sources say 1,000, and some have even said millions. And um, granted, this is Wikipedia, but I've, I looked at a couple other places, and it, it varies wildly from, again, anywhere as few as 50 all the way up to millions of people. Dictionary.com describes the word multitude like this, a large number of people or things. Not much help. You know, we really don't know. And I think that's by design. I believe Yahweh knows that if he gave an exact number, they would just, it would just cause panic. I mean, imagine if it was just the 144,000, we'd all be freaking out. But no matter how you look at it, even if the multitude consists of tens, 10 million people, we're still talking about less than 0.04% of the population. And that's assuming that the world population is indeed around 100 billion over the course of history. Matthew 7.14 For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. I think that rings more true for me now than it has ever rung true for me. 1 Corinthians 927. But I keep under my under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached unto others, I myself should be a castaway. Now, if anybody could make the cut, you'd assume Paul would be pretty confident in this. But even he himself says, I keep my body under constant subjugation, that I would not give in to temptation and, you know become a castaway myself. That's a humbling, humbling thought. 
Now, this feast has been really, really great for me. And I think that in doing the research I did for uh, this message, it, it humbled me because Yahweh calls who he will call. And this is even many are called and even fewer are chosen, but it really, you are in the 0.0004%. I mean, that's a, that's truly a remnant. I mean, we're talking very, very small amount of people. And it's a humbling thing to know that you've been included in that promise. And Abraham had multitude, had a multitude of uh, descendants, as many as the sand of the sea and the stars in heaven. But it said that out of them, even fewer were selected. And again, to repeat this verse here, the gate is small and the way narrow that leads to life, and there are few that find it. And I do not think that's an exaggeration. That is a very, very true statement. But with that, I pray that uh, you learned something today. I had a great time putting this together. It was quick, you know, fast-paced. But may Yahweh bless you and his chosen.